TV arc on the Arc of E Network. My name is Noah, and this is our coverage of Here and Now, Season 1, Episode 7, entitled Wake. Running a little late on this one, as usual, and uh, we've had a, a busy week here at the Arc of E. New episode of the movie Arc up. Gavin and I discuss what we've been watching recently. There's a little mini review of Death Wish. We also talk about Brawl and Cell Block 99, finally, because he finally watched it. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff in there. We uh, debut our new 90s nostalgia segment. That's a lot of fun. We also have a new episode of the Music Arc, uh, Gavin's little mini-series ongoing. We don't know what it is quite yet, but uh, it's another episode of What I Learned From. And this one is 90s Alternative. So that's Gavin and I talking about the lessons we learned from uh, all of our favorite 90s alternative tunes. So... If you're not listening over on the music arc and the movie arc, but thankfully a lot of you are, uh, the TV arc is the the feed that needs the help. So again, if you're listening to this episode, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Let us know what you think. Email thearcofe at gmail.com with any feedback. But also check out our other shows, uh, the movie arc, the music arc, as I mentioned. We also have the four color arc. Uh, the Bay of Lynch, which has been a little bit dormant, but we'll we'll get back to that very soon. And, of course, we have Carpenter Revisited, the podcast that started it all. So if you somehow just came to the TV arc, I'll remind you, go check out everything else we have to offer here at the Arc of E. Without further ado, uh, let's get into it. What you're here for now uh, is to discuss, here and now, Season 1, Episode 7, as I mentioned, entitled Wake. We'll open with our overall episode description. Greg joins Ramon and Kristen at the Gaming Expo. Duke takes out his frustrations on a fellow biker. Audrey and Stephen reminisce. Ashley questions her place in society and her relationship with Malcolm. Naveed and Kristen plot revenge against Madison. We'll move from that into our uh, our more in-depth synopsis. Where do we open this episode? We open with Ramon and Shikrani, okay? And they are discussing realms. Ramon's game, which he has decided that he cannot finish and doesn't want to work on right now, given everything that's happened with Henry recently, uh, moving back in to his parents' place. So, Shikrani is adamant, of course, because he has this newfound interest based on the 1111 butterfly, the man with the scarred back, all of that, and he discusses with Ramon a little bit some of the parallels that he's noticed and he encourages him to look at the game as a form of therapy and like you know you need to finish it so again we know we have the gaming expo coming up and you knew from the trailer if you watched last week that we were going to get there uh eventually so we'll uh we'll table that for right now but i i thoroughly enjoyed the the gaming expo sequence we'll get to uh all of that but for now we'll jump over to greg uh who is attending michael's wake uh you know a lot of a lot of dual meanings i feel like for this week's title obvious we have the obvious uh michael's wake that uh greg attends and we have a lot of characters maybe waking up to some things or uh maybe 
maybe avoiding them. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay. At the, uh, the wake for Michael, again, this is Greg's TA, who I speculated was going to end up just horribly injured, but not dead. Uh, so that was a little bit of a shocker for me that this character who we had, what I thought, you know, we were building up a nice bit of tension with, uh, with Duke and Greg and Michael. And I really felt like we were going down a road where he was going to be maybe laid up for a while. We were going to deepen the, uh, seeds of resentment that Duke was already feeling towards him as Greg maybe became even more of a father figure to him. But it didn't go that route. Instead, uh, while he's there, Greg talks to uh, Emma, I believe, uh, Michael's fiance, who he had proposed to uh, right before he got into the accident that killed him uh, at the end of the previous episode. And uh, she reveals that Michael was maybe not as great a guy as Greg thought he was. Apparently, he discovered Greg's book when he was in rehab, and uh, the only reason that she agreed to get engaged with him is because they had a pregnancy scare. And she's actually not happy, but relieved that she doesn't have to go through with marrying him uh, because now he's dead. So lot to process there. And uh, Greg comes away, of course, feeling like, can you ever really know a person? Which uh, he, of course, brings up to Duke. In a later scene, and Duke's Duke's having a rough episode, a very very rough episode. We open with him uh, in the throes of some very painful diarrhea, and we we know he's prepping for a race, but he's he's not doing well. Greg drops by after the wake and lets him know what happened, and this uh, hats off. Okay, uh, Mr. Raymond Lee. I thought this might be uh, his his standout episode thus far. I thought he was amazing, but particularly the way he played this reaction to the information about Michael's death, because there's so much wrapped up in it. You obviously, it would seem in poor taste to be like somewhat excited by that news, but clearly Duke is amused by it at the very least it's not immediately a comforting reaction of like oh dad i'm so sorry like i know what he meant to you blah 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 it's definitely very reserved and all of this is tempered not only with all all of the baggage of michael but also with duke's recent revelation of what's been going on with audrey and greg and greg's relationship to uh fumiko so very very tense scene and we, we we'll get back to duke and his struggles throughout this episode but we have a lot of characters not saying the things that they need to say to each other, uh, holding a lot back. So, yeah. Moving right along, Kristen uh, is at school, and uh, she comes across Madison and a group of friends spray-painting swastikas on various lockers. And they throw a can in her hand, snap a photo, and uh, basically tell her if she says anything that they're going to put this out, make it go viral, essentially. So we don't think much of it initially, but uh, obviously it's set up for later in the episode when, of course, that's that's what happens. But uh, for the time being, we discovered that one of those lockers is Navid's, in fact, and Shakrani is called into the school. Now, he, uh, unfortunately for, uh, for him and Layla, he uh, is stoned at the time. And the reason is he's 
playing uh, Ramon's game, Realms, at his office, smoking uh, his very discreetly. And he has a vision of when he himself uh, was defacing something. But uh, it was a poster of the Ayatollah Khomeini when uh, he was a child. So uh, with, with good reason, but not a great decision. And we see him running and, of course, getting caught. He's interrupted from this vision by the call that now he's got to go to school to deal with uh, something that's been defaced. Interesting parallel. Anyways, he is not happy with the school, and Layla is not happy with him for showing up high, and they get into it, but basically he's like, you know, I've come to realize that there's more out there, more connecting all of us. Isn't that what you've always wanted from me is some form of spirituality? And it seems like, yeah, but not this exactly. Uh, Layla is not not cool with his recent behavior, and of course all of this is still tied to whether or not he may or may not be off of his meds and what type of behaviors that may manifest. But for all we understand, as of right now, everything he is seeing is is real. These ties to Ramon have some sort of meaning. But we still, even as of this episode, don't know quite what they are, and we kind of get a door slammed on that uh, towards the end of the episode. But I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we'll move on to Audrey, uh, who's, again, having a lot of professional success, even as her family life seems to be at a very volatile state. Uh, but she and Stephen pitched the governor on the Empathy Initiative, and it is very, very successful. So a win for her. But unfortunately, she has to take a rain check on celebratory drinks because she gets a text from Greg that Duke seems a little off. Now, of course... Greg uh, has no idea that Duke is aware of all this. Neither does Audrey. So again, we get a very, very tense scene where she goes to check up on Duke. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, very motherly talk of just making sure that he's healthy and feeling okay. But he just, you know, he's trying to hide it. He doesn't want to bring it up. She, uh, you know, Ask him if he has anything he needs to talk about. He asks her the same. Very, you know, very well well played. But I, we, I feel like we're building a lot of things that have gone unsaid. Uh, finally, in this episode, we do get Shikrani and Ramon uh, talking a little bit more about what we've been wanting them to talk about. But I still don't get why. Why has Greg not spoken up? But we also haven't had Greg with any more eleven eleven moments, uh, so we'll 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 see. But yeah, for now, let's get into the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the episode. the The two big things for me, of course, uh, Duke's bike race and the uh, the bar scene afterwards, and the gaming expo that I've been waiting for for several episodes now. So we'll we'll start with Duke. He does not do well in the race. Uh, I believe he finishes like third, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Ashley's husband, Ashley's husband, whose name I had to say earlier, unfortunately, uh, did finish second, a personal best for him. So thumbs up. But uh, the guy who did win, of course, was like, oh, how'd you do it? I, I did the celibacy thing. I did, I did do a celibacy thing. At the bar, a little bit later, his girlfriend uh, makes a pass at Duke, and 
Seems like Duke wasn't going to say anything until this guy makes a offhanded racist remark by telling him to bring some spring rolls. And in, uh, sorry to again, always bring it back to six feet under, but this was like the perfect cocktail of Nate Fisher and Keith, uh, as far as I was concerned. Nate constantly in six feet under would take out his anger and frustration over certain issues in his personal life on the people closest to him or sometimes total strangers. But it was always the this lashing out about something else, but it was to service a, you know, a momentary need of just like, okay, I've got to I've got to release this tension. So, I thought that and of course the the actual like physical side of it, the altercation that they get into after uh Duke informs this guy that uh yeah, you're you should probably rethink the whole celibacy thing because I just had to blue ball your girlfriend uh, outside the bathroom. And that does not go over well. They get into brief fisticuffs before Duke begins to beat the absolute shit out of this guy. And this is not a side we've seen of Duke thus far. We've seen ultra competitive. We've seen, obviously, that he's very physically fit. But this level of aggression and just, like, he didn't look like he was going to stop unless he was pulled off of him. Very intense, uh, and I thought played like pretty realistically for how things like this usually get broken up and everything. Uh, a lot of, a lot of F-bombs flying around, of course, a lot of anger and frustration, but Ashley's husband does have his back, which is good to see. They, uh, they get out of there, but yeah, uh, we of course, again, I tied it to Keith and Six Feet Under, who had a, a very volatile temper, and anger management issues. Uh, not something we've seen from Duke, but I definitely, there was all of this pent-up frustration over the revelation about Greg and Audrey, uh, processing a lot of stuff from his childhood still, and uh, it's he's lost his center, definitely, and uh, he's lost his chi, if you will. I'm interested to see if he can get back on track, and I feel like a huge part of that would be directly addressing it and talking about the things that nobody seems to want to talk about. That seems like the the biggest issue uh, in this episode and in this family uh, thus far. So the uh, the other big sequence, we, we finally, Ramon gets to reveal his, uh, his game, Realms. And we should point out uh, in basically, you know, working out the last little glitches and such, uh, the last beta testing before going to the expo and at the expo, there is all of a sudden a, uh, a flame man within the game that Ramon does not remember programming and insists that I, he does not know how he got there. So take from that what you will. We have not seen a burning man yet that I am aware of in any of our flash cuts, but, uh, we do we do get a vision very soon, but as far as the uh, the interplay with the game director, I so I'd be curious uh, how much kind of research went into this. I I don't know where they shot this. It definitely looks like you know it has the scope of something like an E three. Uh, it's very very cool, and you know worked right around licensing issues. I'm sure there wasn't a lot of like big, huge, like, known games and titles and stuff around. But uh, they talk about how they want to make all these changes to Ramon's game, and it just it felt a little weird to me because 
being somewhat, you know, versed in video games, there it, his game would be insanely marketable. There's a huge indie game scene in general. So the instinct that like they initially want to make it more AAA until he explains to them that it like operates on dream logic and it's all these different things kind of sells them on it a bit more. It just seemed weird to me that they were trying to like move this into a triple A space, as they said. Like, I don't know what that version of this game would be, uh, considering that it is a again a puzzle game at its core, but even Ramon seems to not know like fully what it's about yet. Like it's still this amorphous thing that he's working on. But uh it it does go well. He's basically sold it, you know. Greg, who apparently is not a big fan of games in general, uh, seems a little bit won over by it, and he likes that it's not, you know, just guns and war and everything, and I, I, I know that that's an outsider's perspective of, like, that's all that video games are, but I feel like especially just in the last, you know, in the last five years alone, like, what games have proven they can do as a medium in terms of storytelling and uh, just emotional weight and heft that games can, can bring with them, uh, in a way that sometimes film and television cannot. It's a, it's a different thing unto itself. It's informed, of course, by very cinematic techniques in a lot of cases. But uh, I I thought this was a a somewhat not not super well researched perspective on it. But it, it works for the context of the show, and we do have the outsider character of Greg kind of looking at all these things. So that that all, regardless, still played for me, and I was super curious like what was going on with the flame man all of a sudden you know everything's gone perfectly so of course the rug's got to get pulled out immediately uh ramon who has briefly seen some people with uh you know medical mask over their faces earlier and he definitely was just a little weirded out but it was like one or two people all of a sudden now sees a a mass of people just rushing past him and they're covered in ash etc it looks like they are you know ghosts or survivors of some sort of like bombing incident or some sort of catastrophic event and he of course is having a full-on meltdown at what he's seeing but nobody else there can see this so all they see is him going from a relatively normal guy who seemed very well spoken and well versed in like what he was trying to accomplish with his game uh is a essentially reduced to a, a screaming ball of mess on the floor by the end of it, completely traumatized. And uh, Greg has to comfort him, get him out of there. And this interrupts the uh, the rain-checked dinner uh, drinks that Audrey was having with Stephen, of course. So that's put on pause yet again. And they've, they've once again got a rally around Ramon at home. Shakrani uh, joins the party and... He's, again, mystified by all of these things that he's found within the game, and that's all he wants to talk about with Ramon. Ramon is completely freaked the fuck out, understandably so. But rather than pursue these possible connections and looking further into it, he is just immediately like, I don't ever want to see you again. He thinks that, you know, Shakrani is the crazy person at this point, uh, that somehow I got the one shrink, that it's you know, is completely buying into my psychosis and like shared dreaming and all of this different stuff. But rather than explore that any further with Shikrani, uh, he, he shuts him out. So I'm very interested to see where things go from here, uh, for Shikrani exploring this independently because Ramon has really been his only connection to the family up to this point. 
I hope we continue to follow him on whatever his journey is uh, at this point. But I I wonder where that comes back into play. I'm also curious where is where is Henry in in all of this because I don't think we've seen the last of him this season, and I'm wondering if this you know probably the most extreme vision uh, thus far for Ramona. Although the the moment in the cave at uh, Ashley's daughter's birthday was pretty pretty intense so so uh we do have a uh, an ending that i definitely want to talk about but uh i guess we should cover just before we wrap things up navid and Kristen uh decide to take the low road uh in the response to madison once she lets the video of uh Kristen go viral so that is set up for next episode i'm interested to see what kind of uh shenanigans the team of uh, Kristen and Naveed will continue to get into. But uh, also, real quick before the end, we, we've got to mention this conversation between Ashley and her husband, who I'm, I'm on the verge of maybe considering saying his name after this sequence. They had uh, a conversation I want to see a little bit more of where they basically addressed that in all of their relationship thus far, their race was never a factor. But more and more, given, uh, as Malcolm sees it, the the shitty, crazy world that they're living in, that we're all living in, um, that all of a sudden now it's it's an issue. And how are they going to work past that? So I, I'm interested to see where that goes. I, I'm glad to see a little bit more empathy coming from him, a little bit more understanding or attempt at it at least. So progress, but you're still Ashley's husband for now. Uh, maybe, maybe that can change before the season is over. Okay, so the very last thing that I've got to mention. Audrey calls Uncle Ike, finally. Her brother. Her brother. And I could not have been happier, guys. Uh, I knew from the second we heard his voice, I was like, that is the one, the only, Mr. Buffalo Bill himself, Rusty Nail for you Joyride fans. The one, the only, Mr. Ted Levine. One of the most recognizable voices in the business. And I, the idea that he has more of a role to play in this show excites me to no end. I, I am a diehard Ted Levine fan. Uh, Shutter Island also comes to mind. I just I think he is fantastic, incredibly compelling in everything that he does. Uh, most TV viewers, of course, will know him from Monk. But uh, yeah, he, he was... Buffalo Bill, one, still one of the uh, the creepiest uh, on-screen performances I've ever seen. And in voice only, in Joyride. But go go watch that movie if you haven't seen it. Give it another pass. Uh, Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, Lili Sobieski. Uh, well, fun little thriller. I actually think it probably holds up a little better than you might remember it. But that's, that's beside the point. Anyways, uh, Audrey calls Ike and... Uh, she asked him to tell him a joke because, you know, she's had a rough day. Everybody's had a rough day by the end of this episode. But, uh, yeah, he he tells her a joke. But uh, the main thing that comes out of this is that he can tell just by her voice that she's lying. And as he says at the end of the episode, you're lying. Everything is not fine. Which could mean a multitude of things. Uh and I hope we get more and more of them. I want more of Ted Levine on, on the show before the season ends. 
I would love a scene with Uncle Ike and Ramon. Let let's get let's get Greg in the mix. Let's get Shakrani in there. Let's get everybody who's, you know, had some sort of thing going on. And I'm of course immediately interested. Like, does Uncle Ike have anything to do with Eleven Eleven? What what what's in there? I don't know. So, uh, for me, good good episode once again. I can't say enough. I'm I'm fully on board. I'm at the point now where I'm just like I I'm interested in these characters. I'm interested where their lives go. Only real issues at this point. I I want some payoffs. I want some people to have some actual conversations about the issues that they are hiding from each other. I know that's dramatic tension, but let's let's get to it. I it still kills me that Greg has not even after the to me after the events at the expo, he has got to talk to Ramon about his moments with 1111. Because I feel like that will open the door back up into maybe Shikrani was on to something. Maybe it is connected and we need to explore this more deeply because I, I for one, want answers to that. I don't know if a lot of people are like, this is just the hook to get you through the season and it's not really going to come to any particular fruition and it's just going to be this like kind of running thread. But I, I want something to be there. I want some there there, if you will. So... I, I hope we get more of that, but uh, we will find out next week when I return with episode 8 of Here and Now. But for this week, where we've been discussing season 1, episode 7, entitled Wake, I have been Noah. This has been the TV Art Podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, until next week, remember, live in the here and now. Yeah.